Jewish audio on Chabad.org. The Basics of Hasidus, Chapter 3, Section 4, Reviving Souls, The Timing of the Baal Shem Tov. In the general context of Jewish history, the time of exile is analogous to a state of sleep. In parallel to the lack of awareness of one's self and environment that characterizes sleep, the exile causes a lapse of spiritual consciousness. The status of the Jewish people between the nations is demoted, and it is often a struggle to maintain Jewish identity and dedication to God. In the glorious days of divine revelation, When God's presence was clearly manifest in the temple, it was readily apparent to the world that the Jews were God's beloved nation. Additionally, the Jewish people benefited from a heightened awareness of the soul's intrinsic bond with God, and the natural pursuit was to engage in divine service. However, when the Jewish people entered exile, their divine consciousness began to fade, and the world no longer saw them as God's protected people. Although God has certainly not forsaken his people, his loving protection is often not apparent. Just as sleep jumbles reality into self-contradictory dreams, the Jews' place in the world of exile is simply paradoxical. As the lengthy exile progressed, the Jewish people became more dispersed and divided, and the acute sense of their unified identity was also weakened. Over time, the state of sleep deepened, soon becoming a heavy slumber. The hardships of the time before the Baal Shem Tov, along with the despair and division that resulted, further worsened the Jewish people's spiritual health. Their lives were devoid of the proper joy of divine service. The masses were out of touch with their Torah leaders, and the first winds of assimilation began to blow. This lack of consciousness of the Jewish people was compared to a deep faint. It was into this milieu that God sent the soul of the Baal Shem Tov. He brought healing, strength, and rejuvenation to the Jewish people and introduced Hasidus as a novel path of divine service. It was the revolutionary guidance and leadership of Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov that aroused the Jewish people from its faint. Unconventional Healing The imperative necessity of Hasidus was explained by means of a parable. Once there was a king who had a son, and this prince contracted an illness which left him critically ill. The king summoned all the physicians of the land, but none could revive the prince. Finally, one doctor said that the only cure for the prince was to take the crown jewel that was the centerpiece of the king's crown, grind it into powder, mix it with water, and then give the prince to drink from the elixir. 
The king was asked if he was willing to allow the crown jewel to be taken for this purpose, and, without hesitation, the king agreed. It was clear that the life of his son surpassed the significance of the gem. The crown jewel was taken, ground into dust, mixed with water, and a few drops were placed on the prince's lips. Slowly but surely, the life-saving elixir worked, and the prince was revived and restored to health. Similarly, in the days of the Baal Shem Tov, when the Jewish people's spiritual state of health was quite dire, a powerful elixir was needed to revive them. The crown jewel of the supernal king's crown is the innermost dimension of the Torah, the most sublime teachings of Pnimiyas HaTorah. Although its unique holiness caused these deepest teachings of Hasidus to be especially treasured and thus concealed, it was in his kindness that God allowed for it to be revealed. It was not the virtues of the times that deserved such unparalleled revelation. Instead, it was the urgent necessity that Hasidus be shared to revive the Jewish people. The revelation of Hasidus would bring them healing and enable them to endure the last generations of exile. Section 5. The Path Towards Mashiach Hasidus as a Preparation for Mashiach With the early Hasidic movement bringing a spirit of unity, positivity and loving-kindness, Communities across the region saw their physical and spiritual quality of life begin to improve. Ever attentive to their needs, the Baal Shem Tov focused on bettering the living conditions of his Jewish brothers and sisters. The Baal Shem Tov often met with his inner circle of students and clandestine Sadikim, who were active across the region to coordinate organized efforts to enhance the welfare of the Jewish people. Yet, the Baal Shem Tov was not satisfied. Although their efforts were bearing fruit and much pain and suffering had been alleviated, the Baal Shem Tov felt that this was not enough. From his perspective of seeing every Jew with a virtuous eye, the Jewish people deserved better. The Talmud states that Mashiach will come on the very day that the Jewish people will hearken to God's voice. According to the Baal Shem Tov, the fact that the Jews of the time were dedicated to God and his commandments, regardless of their level of education or the hardships they faced, was already more than enough. The Jewish people deserve the end to their suffering. They deserve the true and complete Geulah. Despite the deep slumber of the exile's night, the Jewish people were awakening, and the Baal Shem Tov thought it was time for the morning of Mashiach to finally dawn. With this consideration, it was in the year 5506, corresponding to 1746, that the Baal Shem Tov planned to gather his inner circle so that they would resolve to make every effort to actually effectuate the long-awaited redemption. A meeting with Mashiach. It was in that time period, on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, 5507, 
when the Baal Shem Tev experienced Aliyah's Hanashama, an elevation of the soul to the spiritual realms. In his since well published letter, the Baal Shem Tev details his ascent and describes how his soul entered the heavenly palace of Mashiach. There, the Baal Shem Tev approached the soul of Mashiach and asked, When will you, my master, come? Far from being a simple informational question, the Baal Shem Tev's question is understood to be more of an impatient request. When will you come? If not now, my master, then when? Mashiach's response would surprise the Baal Shem Tev and cause him to weep. Instead of gaining Mashiach's agreement that indeed the time had come, that his efforts had brought the Jewish people's virtues to fore, and they were ready for the Geula, Mashiach would tell the Baal Shem Tev that things were not yet ready. Citing a biblical verse, Mashiach responded, which means, when the wellsprings of your teachings will, will be widely dispersed outside, then the redemption will come. Hearing Mashiach say that the wellsprings of Hasidus must fully permeate the world to cause his arrival, the Balshantav wept. Not flattered by Mashiach's reply that it was he, Rabbi Yisrael Balshantav, who merited to receive the wisdom which was the key to Mashiach's arrival, the Balshantav saw an extended process ahead. It seemed too far off. In effect, Mashiach informed the Balshantav that his work in revealing the Jewish soul, causing Jewish unity, and inspiring heartfelt service of God was just the beginning. It was all just the initial step. Ultimately, the teachings of Hasidus are meant to be integrated within the people to a far greater degree. A permanent redemption. The revelation during the age of Mashiach will be unique in that it will not be superimposed from above. Although it will be a time of change, the change will resonate with the world. Significantly, this can be seen as the cause of the Geula's permanent nature. Simply stated, for any development to last, it can't just be imported from elsewhere. It must reflect the needs and the qualities of its local environment. Likewise, it is imperative for the final redemption to be in tune with the society it will impact. This is where Hasidus comes in. The connection between the God-centered wisdom of Hasidus and the Messianic age is that Hasidus is meant to set the scene for the permanent revelation up ahead. Without preparation, it would be a drastic change for a self-centered world to suddenly begin engaging in godliness. The prophecy that the world will then be filled with the knowledge of God would be too extraordinary to become a permanent routine. It would seem that Mashiach's redemption is a sweeping reimagination of reality, something that at least some segments of society are surely to eventually reject, wanting to revert to their old habits. Therefore, for Mashir to be more than a passing trend 
and for godliness to become the lasting focal point of the human experience, preparation is important. The broad dissemination of Hasidus is thus seen as a method to ease the transition from exile to redemption. It is how the world can come become can become attuned with what Mashiach's revelation is all about. And according to this conversation between Mashiach and the Baal Shem Tov, only when Hasidus will permeate all areas, even the outside, will the world finally be ready for the lasting redemption of Mashiach. To transport a spring. This idea is indicated in the term Mashiach used to describe Hasidus. When the wellsprings of your teachings will be widely dispersed outside. On a practical level, a wellspring is a water source, a non-transportable location from where the underground water flows forth. The spring is rooted in one spot, and it is the water of the spring that flows into streams and travels far and wide, but the spring itself is never dispersed. Therefore, if one were to describe the Baal Shem Tov's teachings, which are to be spread to far-flung locations, using the analogy of a wellspring, it would seemingly be phrased, Lich shiofutsu mi when the water from your wellsprings will be dispersed outside. The indecipherable portrayal of Hasidus as wellsprings which are themselves to be transported to the outside is to describe how the permanent redemption is to be caused. When water flows forth from a spring, there is a trickle-down effect. Some areas are closer to the source, while others are farther away. In the context of sharing Hasidus, this would mean that some segments of society would be able to gain more from Hasidus, while others would appreciate less. The wellsprings of Hasidus would remain rooted to their place, more in touch with some than with others. However, tasked with setting up the world for permanent awareness of godliness, Hasidus can't afford to remain aloof. Even the most distant locales cannot just receive a trickle from the wellsprings. The wellsprings themselves ought to be brought outside. Indeed, this would become the paradoxical mission statement of Hasidus, to plant the infinite into the routine. Hasidus accomplishes this by presenting an all-encompassing perspective relevant to all elements of reality. It displays the true nature of the soul, the inner potential of God's world, and the absolute relevance of Torah and mitzvahs. Such teachings have the ability to be more than impactful. They can reframe existence around their godly purpose. The wellsprings themselves can be brought anywhere, and the world is happy to host. Once permeated with the perspective of Chassidus, all of existence can eagerly anticipate Mashiach's arrival because they will realize that fulfilling God's purpose is in tune with who they really are.